What's up? This is Levon Zarike, former University of Washington football player, and this is I already forgot. <laughs> Circling Seattle Cir- Sports Podcast. Circling Seattle's that's a tongue twister. Circ- Hello there, everybody, and welcome to episode 118 of the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. I am your host, as always, Charles Hamaker. Uh, I was hoping to have Bennett and or maybe or Amari today, but scheduling, you know, scheduling's fun. Um we have kind of a shorter week. I know that I've said in the past few weeks that we've had kind of odd weeks and that, uh, that continues to be the case here is, uh, I mean, the Seahawks beat up on the lions. Um, no Mariners news is well, there's a little bit of Mariners news, but mostly quiet as the Emily lockout continues. The Sounders mostly quiet, except for a, a rumor about a potential signing the storm quiet, the rain quiet, the Kraken continue their five game losing streak. Sadly, uh, is also continuing some postponements of their home games. Um, and not that much UW sports to go over. So we're going to jump right into it. Um, as we look here at the Seahawks in their regular season, uh, their week 17 matchup against the Detroit Lions, winning that game 51 to 29. Uh, it is the third 50 point game in the Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll era. Um the last one being the 50-point game against the Buffalo Bills when they were playing that game in Toronto. Um, so a big performance there. It was the first one, though, to not have a defensive touchdown um, amongst those two as the game against the Cardinals had a pick six, I know, with Drew Sherman, uh, and then the one against the Bills had a pick six by Earl Thomas. Um, so interesting that the the offense able to put up those points there. Um Post game thoughts: The team's most complete performance of the season, season probably leaves a nice feeling for the Seahawks fans in attendance, as it was the last home game of the year um, after an incredibly frustrating season. The offense uh, really looked like w- what we would hope the offense would look like, um, like a Shane Waldron offense should have. You know, a lot of uh, play action, a lot of boot plays, a lot of outside runs, a lot of creative running the ball. Uh, a lot of play action, a lot of getting the wide receiver involved, some sweeps here, some some pitch play, some toss plays, some uh, touch passes. There we go. Um, so a lot of what we were hoping to have seen um, in the offseason, a lot of what we were essentially teased about, what we were like, oh, hey, we're going to get this, um, is what we were able to uh, get here um, from the uh this game against Lions. obviously you know you're playing the lions so that's one thing um but it was good to see um this just take place i mean uh it was good to end the season out on uh it was something that we needed to see as as fans i mean after an incredibly headbanging against the wall kind of season it was good to see uh rashad penny had a great game uh we'll get to his stats and the stat leader section of the uh, Seahawks here, but Rashad Penny, big game. I mean, past three games, all over a hundred yards and and really has carved himself. I'm sure a spot next year. Um, I would be shooting in the one to two year range, probably five to seven mil um, for one to two years. Um, Russell Wilson had probably his best game of the season, maybe rivaling that of the game against the Colts in the very first game of the year. Um, four touchdown passes, uh, only missed a few throws, uh, really efficient. Um, 
best, best rush was a listening game that we probably saw all year. Uh, DK got the ball. So uh, defensive side of the ball, an okay defensive performance. Uh, I mean, giving up 29 points against the the, the Lions and uh, their backup quarterback, not exactly ideal. Um, but all of that may have been overshadowed by an injury sustained by a middle linebacker, Bobby Wagner. Uh, and we'll get to that in the injury news part of the Seahawks segment here. Uh, but as we flip over to the stat leaders, Russell Wilson led in passing with 20 completions on 29 attempts for 236 yards and four touchdowns. Rushing the ball, Rashad Penny, 25 carries for 170 yards and two touchdowns. It's kind of a misleading stat because obviously you have to look at the you know the teams that you're looking at, the offensive line units. The Colts obviously have a better offensive line, but um, Jonathan Taylor has is leading the league in rushes of 20 plus yards with eight on the season, uh, and he's about 370 or so carries. Uh, Rashad Penny has six uh, 20 plus yard carries, and he's only got like 87 total carries this year. So, um, incredible to see what Rashad's been able to do uh, this year in his playing time. I uh, just hoping that um sorry uh just hoping that this is not like a mirage kind of thing that we were able to hopefully see you know bring Rashad back and hopefully see more of this uh next year um and you know make it make it something that is is reality right not something that was a mirage you know, we saw for, you know, maybe hopefully four games at the end of the year, um, get get some improvements on the line uh, and really just make this legitimate. I mean, a good back in this league can really help you. So um, receiving wise, DK Metcalf had six receptions for 63 yards and three touchdowns as our receiving leader of the game. Um, tackles wise, as I mentioned, Bobby Wagner did not play for the majority of this game. I believe it was on the first Lions offensive snap that he got injured, uh, which would would snap his streak of uh, shoot, shoot, shoot. Give me a second. Snap his streak of consecutive snaps played. I believe he had played every defensive snap all year uh, before this. Um, so Jordan Brooks would lead in tackles, uh, 10 total and five solo. And turnover department, the Seahawks cornerbacks were able to get uh, uh, some interceptions. Dejeri had two interceptions, and Ugo Amadi had one interception. So for offensive and defensive MVPs on the offensive side of the ball, I had Rashad Penny. Uh, I asked Omari as we recorded uh, CSS on Converge together today, um, and he would have Rashad, or he also, also could split it with Russell. Russell had a pretty good game. I can understand that. On the defensive side of the ball, I had DJ Reed. Uh, and Omari would go with Jordan Brooks. Both options good there. Uh, in terms of injury-related news, part of game time on December 29th, the team would activate cornerback DJ Reed and defensive tackle Brian Monet from the COVID list, as well as placing running back Adrian Peterson on injured reserve as he is dealing with a back injury. Uh, on December 30th, guard Damian Lewis was placed on the COVID list, uh, making him inactive for this game against the Lions. On December 31st, defensive end LJ Collier was activated from the COVID list. Excuse me. On January 1st, cornerback Sidney Jones IV was placed on the COVID list. Uh, tackle Jamarco Jones was activated from injured reserve, and linebacker John Radigan was placed on injured reserve. And then three players were called up from the practice squad in result of those moves. Cornerback Mike Jackson, safety Josh Jones, and linebacker Edmund Robinson were these three 
uh, players called up from the practice squad. In terms of game day inactives, quarterback Jacob Eason, halfback, wow, halfback, I've used that instead of running back. Uh, running back Alex Collins, center Dakota Shepley, right tackle Brandon Shell, and defensive tackle Robert and Kim were all game day inactives against the Lions. In the post game uh, injury list, uh, middle linebacker Bobby Wagner suffered a sprained knee. He avoids major damage and that will be able to heal on its own, uh, not needing surgery. Uh, but he is doubtful to play next week against Arizona. Uh, Pete Carroll has not made a call on that yet. Running back DJ Dallas suffered a thigh bruise. Corner, uh, corner. pardon me, defensive end Carlos Dunlap um, uh, injured his ankle. Cornerback um, John Reed was evaluated for concussion, and tight end Will Disley has a heel injury. So outside of Bobby Wagner, we don't really know the severity of those injuries quite yet just because of the fact that um it's monday and we don't really hear about that until maybe tuesday wednesday uh so we'll get back to you on that those injuries hopefully none of those are too serious um in team related notes so we, we huh, again we are at the point where i have to discuss the Russell Wilson rumors, right? Um, so we'll, we'll go through the notes here. Uh, January, no, pardon me, Tuesday, the 28th, December, Pete Carroll does not think that the Seahawks need to rebuild, indicating that he may be returning in 2022. All right. Tuesday, December 30th, uh, Russell Wilson says, I hope it's not my last game in Seattle, but at the same time, I know it won't be my last game in the NFL. Also stating that he loves this city. January 2nd, the report comes out early morning from Adam Schefter that there is a league-wide feeling that the Seahawks coach Pete Carroll and franchise quarterback Russell Wilson will not be together again next season. Monday, January 3rd, Russell Wilson reiterates that he wants to return to Seattle uh, as he has two more years on his contract still. And Pete Carroll spoke on hearing reports about Russ having a desire to play somewhere else, stating that... I don't mess with them. I don't have to. I know what's going on. I don't need to follow the agenda somebody has out there to try to create and stir stuff up. So the way I look at these things, and I've, I've said this several times now, um, until I get some real knowledge of, you know, legitimate reports, uh, Russell, you know, the main source himself saying something, I'm not going to believe this bullshit. Okay, Uh, Jordan Schultz, that fucking dickhead, the son of Howard Schultz, who stole my Sonics from me. Why would I believe that asshole? Just take think about what I just said. Son of Howard Schultz. Okay, that throws all legitimacy out of the window for me. I don't care what he does. That's not legitimate journalism. That's stirring the pot. There's so many instances where the stirring of the pot is all that is. It's all it is. It's smoke. It's smoke and bullshit. There's a difference between legitimate reasoning, legitimate journalism, and bullshit. Skip Bayless is bullshit. Stuff for clicks is bullshit. I don't do that kind of stuff. All right. Um, Russell Wilson himself has not said, I want a trade out of here. He said, if the team were to move me, as that was a discussion last year where the team was listening to offers, he had a list of teams that he would waive his no trade clause for. All right. When you're a player of that caliber, you caliber, sorry, you have that option to decide where you would want to go. 
All right. Um, and I mean, with this year, Russell saying that he wants to be in Seattle, reiterating that he wants to return. That is the only legitimate source we've got at this current point. All right. So that's how we're going to take it. I'm taking it for face value here because that's the only legitimate report that we have. Pete Carroll saying that I don't mess with them. I don't have to. I know what's going on. He is the head coach after all. So I know that I've been critical of that, but if, if Pete Carroll is also bashing on that kind of stuff, that tells you something. So it's, it's, it's a very complicated offseason for Seattle because there's a lot of dominoes that need to fall, right? We need to know what's going on with Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson going forward to then make moves about our future. There are a lot of issues that need a permanent fix, a more permanent fix than just placing a Band-Aid on them. This offseason, that's kind of what the team did this offseason. It felt like we just got Band-Aids. Gabe Jackson, I would say, is a semi-more permanent move. Um, but there needs to be more urgency. Um, so just to finish it up, anything about Russell Wilson leaving is bullshit until we get a more legitimate source otherwise. That's all I'll say on that until we get any more reason to talk about it. Um, obviously, if we get more reports about it, I'll, I will mention it because that is circling sales sports. It has to be mentioned, um, but I don't want to have to go in depth on it. Uh, legal related news on Tuesday, January 28th, pardon me, I saw you in January, I, December 28th, uh, legendary coach, broadcaster, and video game creator John Madden passed away. The, it was a Hall of Fame head coach uh, winning Super Bowl eleven with the Raiders. He had a legendary career as a TV analyst, and he was a video, video game creator as well, obviously. Uh, the popular video game franchise, uh, Madden NFL. Um, He's had a big impact. I mean, obviously, he's a Hall of Famer, but uh, as an analyst, huge impact, especially for the field that I'm hoping to go into and working to go into, as well as video game creator. I have several memories of playing Madden with my friends. Um, so uh, heavy heart and uh, rest in peace to John Madden. On January 2nd, Antonio Brown had an interesting outburst uh, resulting in his release from Tampa Bay. Uh, Bruce Arians said that he tried to get Antonio Brown to go into the game several times against the Jets on Sunday. Uh, Brown refused. After Brown once again refused to go into the game, Arians told Brown to leave. Uh, Brown reports that he stated that he was injured and would not be able to go into the game. Um, and then he had dealing with an ankle injury. Um, Aaron's reported that he was never told of such a thing and the trainers were never told of such a thing. Uh, Brown would then, after being told to leave, Brown would take his pads and jersey off, throwing his undershirt and gloves into the stands and then run off the field and into the tunnel. He was almost mistaken as a fan by the on-field security and almost tackled before they realized it was Antonio Brown. Brown would get into a car with a New York social media influencer and then posted a song on his social media. Uh, Bruce Arians confirms that Brown is no longer a Buccaneer after the game. And quarterback Tom Brady weighed in, preaching compassion and empathy for Brown. If you don't know, Brady actually let Brown stay over at his house um, earlier in their Tampa Bay tenure. Uh, so that it's an interesting situation because obviously you look at it, you know, you could say all these things about Antonio Brown. Uh, you know, how weird of a situation it is and uh, maybe something's not right. Ultimately, when you look at it, you, you have to look at it as, you know, you can make all these jokes and all that, 
and I get it. It's kind of maybe a humorous situation, but ultimately the bottom line is uh, Brown could use some help, right? Um, it's a serious situation. Obviously, CTE is kind of a touchy subject among some folks. Um, but, I mean, you're looking at a sport that's quite bar- barbaric, and a lot of guys are smashing their heads against each other. It, it makes sense that there would be concern um, about head trauma and that potentially affecting the brain, right? Um, Offseason, there was a cornerback who used to who played for several teams in the NFL who killed five people. And it was found among an autopsy that he had severe CTE. Um, Vincent Jackson, wide receiver, former uh, Chargers, Buccaneers, uh, great wide receiver, uh, died. Uh, I believe it was suicide. Uh, had severe CTE. Um, so I don't believe they can test for CTE until the person is dead, uh, but they, the, the NFL really needs to work on that. Um, it's, it's, it's a real issue. Uh, Antonio Brown has kids too, right? So he's a father. So it would be best. I think it's the best case scenario just to, you know, hopefully get him some help and, uh, work on these issues because this is not like this is the first time thing there is there's a timetable of a bunch of different issues that Antonio Brown has gone through uh, it's just about making sure he's all right um, also on Sunday Eagles fans nearly crushed Jalen Hurts as he left FedEx field heading to the tunnel as a railing collapsed at the stadium I just wanted to touch on this um, the entire Washington organization uh, not necessarily the players uh, just the uh, you know, from the higher ownership, right, um, to the field itself. I mean, just a mess. FedEx field is a crap hole. I mean, if you know about the Robert Griffin the third injury, primary injury that essentially derailed his career, that's, that field is crap. Um, so I just – I. <laughs> I hope they uh, they work on that because it was just amazing that these fans were just doing what they normally do. Uh, you know, they, there's a little bit of a crowd um, near the the wall, but I mean that could have caused some serious harm. And if there was a, more of an Ill- intent there, those fans could have easily broken through that raggedy old barricade um, and hurt somebody. So I, I just think it's incredible that there's a MLB stadium that looks like that. And that still has an MLB, pardon me, an NFL stadium that is so terrible and so low. Um, bad conditions. Um, so there is that um, the Seahawks record sits at six and 10. Uh, they are fourth in NFC West as always, uh, as always, um, as they have been most of the season. Um, and their next matchup, the final matchup of the year, and I don't like saying week 18. It just doesn't feel natural. Week 18, uh, January 9th at the Arizona Cardinals with a 1.25 p.m. kickoff on Fox. Um, as we move over to our Mariners here, uh, known, the only news that we have for you uh, for the actual team is that Kyle Seeger announces his retirement. The 34-year-old third baseman spent the entirety of his career uh, his 11-year career with Seattle. Uh, last year, he set career highs with 35 home runs and 101 RBIs. Um, 
I'm not entirely surprised with this. Um, I thought it might be a best case scenario sort of thing as I was just hoping that selfishly, right. That Kyle Seeger wouldn't spend a career with anybody else. Um, And I mean, I guess I got that, but it it, it seems though, like it's a pretty solid situation, right? Kyle Seeger obviously has uh, some kids, uh, a few kids. I believe he's got two daughters and a son Um, get to spend more time with his kids and his wife. Uh, and hopefully just be able to enjoy it. I mean, he, he made a good amount of money uh, while he was in the league uh, and now he's um, able to spend some time with his family. Obviously the main thing that everybody's going to point to is, Oh, you know, he, he never made the playoffs, blah, blah, blah. I get it. You know, I get to hear it all the time. Same thing with Felix. Um, But I know that the impact that, excuse me, Kyle left on this team is a big one. Um, And when they make the playoffs this year, I know that they should have him back. Uh, I would hope if he'd come, they should have him in attendance uh, for that play, those playoff series. Um, So a big thank you to Kyle Seeger, obviously had a big, big impact um, on the current Mariners, but also Mariners fans all around. Uh, I know that he's always been a fan favorite uh, and has a, great great impact on this organization um both fans wise and players wise in league related notes mlb network cuts ties with reporter kent rosenthal over past criticism of current mlb commissioner robert manfred if you don't know mlb network is a league owned network so it's kind of interesting uh that they fired uh a reporter for doing his job um (laughs) <laughs> it's just it's just amazing uh rob manfred has just been a, a mouthpiece it feels like and it's just been a bad mouthpiece uh obviously a lot of commissioners tend to get a lot of flack um but uh if we were to look at it ken rosenthal was up at the top of the list of bad commissioners um pardon me i just say ken rosenthal rob manfred um so uh just just the hope that uh, I know that Ken Rosenthal still has uh, gigs with The Athletic, and um, I know there's another one, but I apologize. I don't remember the other outlet he's part of. Um, but it's just insane that Rob Manfred still has his job. Uh, I just know he's not a popular guy. So um, here's to, again, continuing the hope that the MLB lockout is finished sooner rather than later. This is your time to check out Hom Seattle. That is H O M S S E A T T L E dot com. Hom Seattle. Homs has your back in the loving big brother kind of way. Our goal is to change the mental health conversation one heart at a time. Uh, spoke to Race recently, uh, hoping to get a follow up interview here soon uh, as we start the new year. I do want to say um, just as a little quick thing, I am excited for this year. Uh, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stuff uh, excited to add to the show. Um, not only the podcast itself, but what uh, all the other stuff we do here uh, for Circling Seattle Sports. So uh, just just wanted to throw that in there. Excited for that. Um, as well as always grateful for our partnerships um, that we have with Hom Seattle and Maestro Athletics. So continuing here for our Seattle Sounders, uh, just some small notes. The CONCACAF Champions League round of 16 legs were announced and scheduled recently um legs one and two were officially scheduled 
excuse me, scheduled as the Sounders are taking on Mantagua. Um, in legs one and two, leg one is going to be February 17th with a 7 p.m. kickoff in Seattle. That game, well, these two games will be uh, right before the MLS season starts, uh, essentially almost proving as somewhat of an extra few games for preseason, but obviously Champions League um, is a little bit more of a, a bigger deal than preseason. Uh, and then leg two is going to be February 24th with a 7.30 p.m. kickoff in Matagua. Um, so look out for that February 17th and 24th um, uh, Champions League. Good test to see where your club stacks up in the world uh, stage sort of thing. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Seattle does, especially considering that we still have to get through the offseason and see what this team will really shape up to be, uh, who will be returning, who may be added, and in that who may be added, we look at uh, the team is reportedly linked to former Real Salt Lake midfielder Albert Rusnak. Uh, the Russian midfielder uh, was a all-star this past season. Uh, he's a 27-year-old former captain uh, joining the MLS in 2017, has scored 41 goals and 39 assists since that time. There has been some discussion about a signing taking place. The last that I was told um, was that Rusnak uh, had a offer on the table from Seattle, and they're essentially waiting to hear uh, a, oh, pardon me, he's Slovak. Um, they're hearing, waiting to hear about, um, shoot, sorry, brain, um, what his reaction might be. They're waiting to basically hear back uh, in a response to that. Uh, so that'll be something to look into uh, as we get to, I want to get his stats from this past season. Um, just so I can give you some sort of uh, idea of what we're adding here or what we may be adding. In 34 games uh, this past year, he had 11 goals and 11 assists with 65 shots, 32 on target with an 88.7 pass percentage. Um, so, so some obvious value there, right? I mean, 11 goals and 11 assists is pretty good. Um, and would add immediate impact. Uh, I mean, obviously... Uh, oh, yeah, Rusnak did not even play in that game against Seattle as he tested positive for COVID. Um, trying to see, yeah, the second leading score on the Real Salt Lake. Um, dynamic play attacking playmaker, uh, passes often. Um, so yes, yeah, so there's a playmaker who can score in his own as well. So I think that's an obvious, uh, Obviously, that's something you'd want to have, right? Um, and especially with all the injuries that we had to deal with last year, as well as uh, dealing with World Cup qualifiers, you know, having even more firepower um, is never a bad thing. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting to keep up with that. Again, the last thing that I was told is that he is looking at a deal that's on the table. Uh, and we're waiting to hear about that as we are here on Monday. Um, so... That is something to keep an eye on. We will keep you tuned in here at Circling Seattle Sports. So, and then as well, just to look at the current Seattle free agents, uh, both Will Bruin and Stephen Cleveland are out of a contract. Uh, and then Jordy Dellum, Freddie Montero, and Kellen Rowe all had options. And I believe a few of those have already been picked up. So uh, that is your free agent situation for the Sounders there as they continue their offseason. No direct Seattle storm news here as we switch over. Um, 
but we do have a league-related note. The Las Vegas Aces hired Becky Hammond to be their new head coach, the Spurs assistant and former uh, San Antonio star, who the stars were uh, the Aces before they relocated, um, is finalizing a historic five-year deal with the Aces, making her the WNBA's highest-paid head coach. Uh, former head coach Bill Lambeer is reportedly taking a different role within the Aces organization. Um, so we continue on with the storm offseason there. This is your time to check out Maestro Athletics. That is M-A-E-S-T-R-O-A-T-H-L-E-T-I-C-S.com. Uh, I know Maestro has a good past year. Uh, some great stuff they're working on with a... Mighty Ducks slash Kraken uh, uh, hat, the Kraken uh, shorts, pardon me, the word shorts escaped my memory, uh, the Rep Seattle hoodies, uh, a lot of stuff going on with Mirror Shore Athletics. So excited to see what they do this year as well and excited to have them as a continued partner of the show. Um, speaking of the Kraken, looking at our Kraken their past week, uh, they would lose their past three games, extending their losing streak to five, as mentioned previously. Uh, the first of those games being December 29th versus the Philadelphia Flyers here at Climate Pledge Arena, losing that game three to two. Player of the game being defenseman Jeremy Lausanne, uh, scoring his first goal of the year. No, pardon me. Wait. Yes. Uh, recording one goal, one point, a one plus minus, three shots on goal, and one hit. Uh, in that game, Lausanne would have an, a, game, a goal earlier, uh, but would be called off due to a controversial goalie interference uh, review on a coach's challenge by Philadelphia there. Um, in that game, as well as this next game that we'll get into, Seattle gave up a lot of response goals, goals right after they had scored. Uh, December 30th versus the Calgary Flames, Seattle would lose that game 6-4 to four and Captain Mark Giordano's first game against his former team. Uh, he'd also be the player of the game in that game against his former team. Defenseman Mark Giordano will record one goal, two assists, three points, a one plus minus, uh, two shots on goal, three hits, and two blocks. Uh, so big game there for Mark, really filling out the stat sheet. And really, I mean, if we're able to get that sort of performance or a, some level of consistency of that performance um, throughout the season, I mean, we'll, we'll have some better, better results. Uh, going forward is really, I mean, that was Giordano's best game of the year. Um, I don't think it's close either. Uh, and then the final contest of the past week was January 1st versus Vancouver. Seattle lose that game five to two, similar to their first matchup of the year. Uh, the home opener losing that game four to two. Uh, player of this one would be center Callie Yarncrook, uh, recording one goal, one point, two shots on goal, and one block. Um, really, I don't have anything different to say. I mean, this is similar to losing streaks we've seen previously and for similar to really the majority of the season. Um, this is an expansion team. Someone put out a good tweet. A lot of the issues that you're seeing, uh, little issues, little errors that are taking place because the team doesn't know each other that well are things that are very, very common with expansion sides, Right. Las Vegas was never the norm and they're never going to be the norm. Okay. Uh, Las Vegas was a flash in the pan really for expansion teams. Uh, and that expectation that they're going to be anything similar to Vegas in their opening year is 
to use a word familiar is bullshit. It's not the same. It's not a similar situation. The only thing similar is that they're both expansion teams. Okay. Uh, so I don't really have anything different to say to you. I mean, it's a lot of the defensive issues that we continue to see the game against Vancouver. There were three turnovers behind the net and or around the net that resulted in goals. That sort of thing can't happen, especially when you're a team that does not score a ton. Um, and the game against Calgary as well. I mean, it was a lot of the a lot of the issues uh, in the game against Philadelphia and Calgary. Seattle would score, and then right after uh, their opponent would score. I mean, that sort of thing. Those response goals are such a difficult thing to deal with. You know, it's a momentum swing. Um, it's just something that can't happen. So it, it's it's nothing new. It's nothing new. And as someone who has to write about it. Um, it's kind of frustrating because it's like, okay, I have to find a positive from this, and then I have to address obviously what led to the uh the eventual loss here, right? So, um, uh, heading into not so fun things to talk about as we continue that trend, it seems in the Kraken section in this episode. Uh, injury related news on the 27th of December, uh, for Brennan Tenev had season ending surgery on a torn ACL. Uh, it would be successful surgery as it was recently announced. And Tanev has actually started rehabbing with the Kraken trainers. So that is a big deal uh, to hear from him there uh, and to know that he's actually doing all right. And starting rehab is a good thing uh, there. So um, sorry. Also on the 27th Ford Mason Appleton was placed on the COVID-19 list. On January 1st, defenseman Jeremy Lausanne missed the game against Vancouver as he had been placed on the COVID-19 list prior to that game taking place. And then on January 3rd, it was announced after practice that Alex Wenberg uh, center was placed on the COVID-19 list. Uh, and that shouldn't be too much of an issue as Seattle does not play a game until Gen- uh, January 10th, as we'll get to that here in a second. Um, in team-related news, on the 28th, the NHL reintroduced uh, the taxi squad. Um, it allows a reserve squad of up to six on-hand players due to COVID, uh, current COVID case rise. Uh, so Seattle would call up to that COVID list, goaltender Joey Decord and forward Cole Lind. Uh, on December 30th, the team placed Jaden Swartz. Ah, December 30th, the team would recall Ford Cole in from that taxi squad for that game against Calgary. And then uh, also on the 30th, the team would uh, place for Jaden Schwartz on IR as he is day-to-day with an upper body injury. Uh, on December 31st, the NHL would postpone the January 4th matchup uh, against the New York Islanders. Uh, so that game is another one that has to be rescheduled. Um and then uh, on January 3rd, uh, Seattle would have their game against the Senators, the Ottawa Senators, on January 6th postponed. Seattle now has seven games to postpone, uh, most likely all of them we will see in February, uh, as obviously we spoke about it a few weeks ago. The NHL players will not be taking place in the Winter Olympics as that decision was made by the NHL. Um, so, yeah, we'll probably see those all um, in the 
in January, as there's a lot of there's only two technically scheduled games, I believe, for the Kraken in February. Um, but big deal there um, as we look at that. Uh, I mean, it's more games that are being postponed due to COVID. Uh, most of what we have seen is due to uh, border issues so far. Um, but still kind of frustrating. I mean, you get excited. You know, I know fans, you know, you buy tickets to a certain game. You want to go to that game um, and not have it postponed. You want to go to it on that date. Uh, we'll just have to wait for that, unfortunately. Um, um, so, yes, we will wait to hear about the official news on that, uh, but more than likely expect to see those in February. Um, in league-related news, the World Junior Championships were canceled. Uh, the IIHF announced that the 2022 World Junior Championship will not continue uh, due to COVID concerns. Uh, and hockey at the Summer Games, potentially, uh, was explored. NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman has explored the idea of having hockey move from the Winter Games to the Summer Olympics. Um, so that is something interesting to look at. Uh, I, as I just mentioned, you know, we talked about the uh, games, the NHL players not being able to participate in the um, in the Olympics, uh, it's a big deal. I mean, that's something that you know players want to be involved in. Um, so something of note. Um, sorry, um, but I don't know how much traction that'll gain. So. Uh, looking at the record and standings here for the Kraken, they said 10 wins, 17 losses, and three overtime losses, resulting in 23 points. Um, oh. um, they are eighth in the Pacific Division, and their next matchup, as mentioned, is January 10th at the Colorado Avalanche with a 6 p.m. puck drop. Um no OLRA news. They can stay quiet. No Supersonics news. No Dragons news. Uh, two small notes from college football. In UW, uh, football-related news, uh, outside linebacker Jeremiah Martin will return to UW for his final college season. Um, and in college football news, Kirk Herbstreet is not a fan of players opting out of bowls, stating that I think that this is the era of players who just don't love football. Um This is an incredibly stupid take. Uh, and I don't expect much more from Kirk Herbstreet than something like that. Um, if you, there was a funny tweet that said, it was effectively parody to this. And it said that ESPN uh, report, broadcasters should uh, broadcast ball games without pay. They should do it for the love of the game. Um, blah, blah, blah. Uh, because if you don't know, ESPN has all but one bowl game that they broadcast. Um, so it's, it's just, it's just all the people that were talking about it, all the uh, personalities that they had at the Rose Bowl talking about this issue all sounded like old farts. Um, the idea that, you know, the NIL, um, 
or anything else would have ruined college football. Uh, if the transfer portal or players sitting out, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's just horseshit. And this idea of a monopoly uh, with the NAL doesn't make any sense because it already kind of is a monopoly. If you sit here and you look at the, uh, you look at the, look at the national championship game. Who is it? Tell me Georgia and Alabama. <laughs> I mean, come on. So, you know, I just, it's, I just, it's Kirk Curb Street saying Kirk Curb Street stupid shit. Um, just blows my mind um, that we have these sort of people uh, in positions of power or, you know, this is the same shit I'm talking about with the bullshit journalism. I don't want to hear it. It doesn't make any sense. And it's stupid. Um, so moving on. Uh, men's basketball related news. Uh, December 29th, UW was supposed to take on Washington State. That game would be postponed. Excuse me. Um to do COVID issues. Um, and then January 3rd at number eight, Arizona, the Huskies would lose that game 79 to 95. Um, player of the game would be Terrell Brown Jr. Recording 28 points, eight rebounds, and six assists. Um, oh, yeah. Um, in men's basketball-related news, uh, Dick Vitale is taking a break from broadcasting games during his current cancer battle to rest his vocal cords. So best of Dick there. Uh, I know he's dealing with that COVID, pardon me, that cancer battle. Um, so the men's basketball team record sits at five and six. They're ninth in the Pac-12 and they have two Pac-12 matchups coming up. January 6th at Utah with a 6.30 p.m. tip-off and January 9th at Colorado with a 2 p.m. tip-off. Women's basketball, uh, the Huskies had their last two games postponed due to COVID issues. That would be December 31st versus highly ranked Stanford and January 2nd versus California. Uh, So those games both postponed. Um, The Huskies record sits at five and three. Their upcoming games are January 7th at Arizona State uh, with a 10 a.m. Pacific time tip-off and at Arizona with an 11 a.m. tip-off. And that's the rest of the news. There's no uh, baseball news, no softball news, no soccer news, uh, no volleyball news, no hockey news. Um, I know that a few of those sports are starting up in February, so we'll have that pretty soon. Um, But that's it. I mean, it's again... It feels relatively weird that we're sitting here um, and I don't have that sort of thing to talk to you about. Um, So with that being said, um, another sort of weird week in Seattle sports. Uh, But again, always glad to talk about it. Always excited for these sort of things. Um, And until we see you in the next week, well, I'll talk, I'll touch on it here. Um, it is really cool. Uh, the, the growth that the show has seen, um, since starting, uh, back in December of 2019. And I'm very grateful, obviously for the continued support, grateful to have Bennett and Omari, uh, as part of the show here. Um,
uh, and also really excited for what we're going to do this upcoming year, all the things that uh, have planned and I want to work on. So uh, with that being said, I want to thank you for tuning in. Uh, thank everybody for the consistent support that we've been seeing, whether you're a new supporter or whether you're one of my friends that's been helping me with this for a while. I want to thank you uh, until we see you next Tuesday. Uh, damn it. I said the thing. Until we see you next week, I want to thank you. Uh, be safe. I know that we had to deal uh, with the, um, ooh, had to deal with the uh, snow and the ice this past week. So I hope everybody was safe then. Uh, until we see you later, uh, take care, be well, and we will get back to you uh, next week. Baba Bowie.